G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm your host. I'm here in your ears every two weeks. With me today, I have Andrew Shotland out of California. G'day, Andrew. How are you? Good day. I'm, uh, I think I'm all right. Good. Good to hear. Still early for me, so who knows what the day has in store for me. Andrew has, is owner founder of Local SEO Guide today. He's going to be talking about Fandango, a very well-known brand, so we'll get into that. For those that you know, tune in every couple of weeks and not subscribed, I highly, highly recommend you hit that subscribe button on Apple, on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. It's going to make sure that you don't miss some of these amazing guests that I've got coming on, including Andrew today. And as I always say, if you enjoyed it, please do jump on, give us five stars on Apple and all those other places. But we do have a very special guest here today, and I'm going to ask him the one question I ask every SEO when they join our program. Andrew, what do you believe is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2023? Oh, it's the same one that was facing us in 2006 when I started doing this stuff. SEO is quote unquote easy. Once you understand it, you know, it's got its complications, but it's relatively straightforward. Getting clients to implement SEO is the hard part. That's my pithy little one-liner for you. Love it. Love it. You know, it's funny too. I've had a few SEOs who've been on this for a long time, been on SEO, working in SEO for a long time. And, you know, AI and SGE and all these different things happening. They're just like, you know, people like lists. They like easy to find, you know, they'll, they like to punch in a search, have a list of options and choose a list, you know, how that gets generated in the background, you know, that's for us to work out, but fundamentally people have liked this type of, you know, search activity for a long time. So it's, 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 it's changing, but it's kind of the same. Yeah. And, and I think we have to remember like SEOs were kind of very strange users of search Mm. and so, uh, so we all, I think every, the entire industry has had pretty visceral reaction to SGE, like, oh, this sucks. Yep. But we're not the target. And so, you know, maybe my uncle loves it. Maybe my aunt will love it. Maybe my sister will love it, right? And so those are the people we have to solve for. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're going to get into Fandango. Before we get there, let's, let's go back in time. You just mentioned then you've been doing SEO since 2006. Was that your... First foray into marketing, or was that was that did you start in marketing before that? Actually, I I, I actually think I technically started doing SEO stuff probably in two thousand three or four. Actually, even before that, before that, I launched a I redesigned a website in like two thousand and one, and lost all the traffic, and so I probably didn't realize I was screwing up SEO at that moment. Let's see. So I've been, my very short, hopefully history is I've been doing 
internet stuff for forever. I helped launch Showtime Network's first website in 1994. Wow. I worked NBC's startup internet group from 1995 to 1999, doing all like, hey, you're watching TV and go on the internet and do this thing and something will happen. I got into SEO because I helped start a company called Insider Pages in 2003, which was a version of Yelp. Yelp started like a month apart from us. And we had no one coming to our website. And one of our investors said, hey, why don't you... Why don't you try this thing called SEO? I don't know what it is, but one of our other companies is doing it. It seems to be working. And so I found some guy, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend who taught me some tricks, like update your title tags. And doing very basic SEO at the time, we started growing like crazy. We had a big site, you know, every business in the country. We were starting to generate reviews. We were getting links. And, and the, it wasn't as competitive as it is now. And so... We suddenly were one of the fastest growing websites on the planet, just through SEO. And that caught the attention of Sequoia Capital and SoftBank Capital, who put some money into us and we were going to be billionaires. We hired, we hired a head of marketing who said, let's redo the website. I didn't, I didn't know about technical SEO. We launched the website and we lost about 5 million visitors uh, overnight. Uh, uh, and it's... A problem I could probably solve in two minutes today, but at the time I had no clue. And the guy I'd hired kind of disappeared because he probably had like a thousand clients at the time. Anyhow, long story short, I ended up losing my job. They sold the company to City Search, and yeah, I got fired. I was having drinks with the head of product at the Los Angeles Times website, and he said he had just got approval to redesign his website. <clears throat> I said, "Hey, what are you doing about SEO?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, let me tell you what happened to me today. And he kind of flipped out and, and said, hey, can I hire you to do some consulting? I was like, sure. <laughs> and I guess it was the right time, right place, because within like three months, I had like 20 clients. Like word just got around and that was 17 plus years ago. Okay, cool. And that's back in the days when like, I remember working for an experiential events agency and we had a website and it ranked really well. And I'll never forget the, like the, the founder saying, I've got, an, I've got a, an SEO guy. It's a bit of a dark art. Don't ask too many questions, but we rank. It's like, okay. So, you know, it was, I mean, that was pure black hat. A lot of the stuff that we were doing outside of links and, you know, the normal stuff, but there was, you know, white text on white background and, and some link farms and all sorts of other things as well. What's funny is I remember talking to Eli Schwartz on, on this stuff on black hat and he's like, dude, that was just SEO. Like that was, you know, there was rules that were put in place that were not very vocal, but you just knew what worked and what didn't. So anyone who says that they kind of didn't do anything blatantly black hat now, they just had different labels back then. It was just how SEO was done. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah. I mean, to me, there's no such thing as black hat. It's just like, oh, what do I need to do to, there's a, what do I need to do to show up higher? Right. And, and, you know, as a consultant, I guess it's the same thing for an in-house Team, like we just have to make sure that every stakeholder is bought into it that oh you're crossing a line in google's eyes and so it's all about risk like what's your risk profile and so the way i like to say it is hey if you have all your money in the stock market right now this is the strategy for you if it's all in cash under your mattress you don't want to do this okay that's good i like that i like that yeah analogy 
Analogies are important for consultants. <laughs> we have to make very complex things as simple as possible. A hundred percent. I think anyone who follows you on LinkedIn would have seen a bunch of those videos of those analogies. So that would yeah. not be uh, unfamiliar territory for them. You just mentioned like a you know a big site migration issue as a, a massive cause of a drop. Do you remember any big algo changes over the journey that just rocked your world that you weren't prepared for? Yeah, we have a fairly large site as a client that every November gets taken down about 25%. Oh. And there's like, I, this is one of the most SEO forward companies we work with. So they have, like, they've tried everything and it happens. And then every March, April, it comes back. Yeah. I don't know. We, we, we can't really put our finger on like, why is Google doing this? Because it's so clear that either the categories they're in or the specific domain is being targeted. So that's one that's kind of a mystery. There's plenty of mysteries where it's like, there's no, there's no way to solve it. And like, no, oh, if we just do these 10 things, they're just constantly trying like, okay, this way, maybe we do it that way. Back when review stars in the search results were a new thing, we had commerce client that had them and then lost them. And I can't tell you like how hard we tried, like everything, put it in JSON, put it in inline, do it this way, do it that way. And nothing worked until Google just decided to turn them back on. And of course, the funny thing was we spent so much time doing it and it made no difference in click-through rate or anything. Oh, but, really? Yeah, but it was important to the, to the client, right? Cause they like seeing the stars there. I like to say we're, we're like doctors and like, if you're going to go have, you know, brain surgery or whatever, there's probably 80% of the time the doctor's seen it all like, oh yeah. But then there's 20% like, I don't know what'll happen when I poke your medulla. <laughs> like, let's poke it. I said, if you say, you see a doctor and they're like, oh, you haven't seen that before. That's, that's not what you want to hear. But the, you know what? It's funny with, I, I just went to the doctor yesterday for a thing with my ankle and he was like, well, I don't know, like. We could cut you open and do that, but it seems pretty extreme for like, you know, you have a sore ankle. I was like, yeah, you're right. We're not cutting me open. Do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? So since 2006, you've been consulting or has it been agency? When did it become an agency or what do you des describe your, your current? The first seven years or so, I was a solo consultant. I lived a grand lifestyle. I took clients when I wanted them. I sat on the beach when I wanted to sit on the beach. But I kind of was into the client thing. So I had like, was juggling like 40 clients at a time kind of thing. So I kind of became like the guy I originally hired. At a certain point, I was like, you know what? I'm being a real idiot. I should hire some people because I was starting to lose clients to people who had executional capabilities. I was just doing like strategic and technical consulting. And so I just started hiring people and gradually growing. And so now we're an agency of about 20 people. So we do SEO for, for basically, we like to say our, our sweet spot is anybody with a website and a budget is how we, that's our market. And, but we have a pretty deep specialty in multi-location SEO and, and local directory SEO. We probably, because of my background at insider pages, that's really where I first started doing consulting. And so I, I can't prove this, but I'd argue we've done more local directories around the world than anybody in the business. So. I'd say like half the yellow pages companies at one point or another we've consulted with 
half the realistic find a find a house find a car find a doctor find a lawyer find an seo consultant that kind of thing but we do like b2b SaaS. we do media we actually really like b2b SaaS. really it's a it's it's one of the best categories because it's so straightforward to target customer intent we like say it is for consumers hey i need a I need like a, some shoes today. Maybe I want red shoes or blue shoes or, or you know what? It's a nice day today. I'm not going to go get my shoes. Whereas for B2B, it's like, I've got a number I need to hit and a budget and I, and the clock's ticking and I need to find someone. And the search intent on that is a lot clearer. So anyhow, so yeah, we we're an SEO agency. Got it. Cool. And you've worked with a, a bunch of big brands over the years, but today we're going to talk about Fandango. So sure. Can you tell me, take me back, tell, tell me about the situation, the SEO situation there. Was there an SEO situation? Was there a marketing team? What, what, how big was Fandango? Oh, actually, let's, for those that are maybe not in the US listening to this, what is Fandango? Let's start there. So Fandango is a, is probably the biggest buy a movie ticket before you go to the theater service mm-hmm. in the US, but they're actually they're kind of global. Like I, they're in different brands. I don't know what they are in Europe or if they even have you, but they're like, I know they're in South America. Anyhow, they own like a billion movie related websites. Their best known sites are fandango.com, mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, the movie review site. Yep. And, and Voodoo, which is their kind of version of Hulu or, um, and so we were hired by the marketing department at Fandango, I think around 2011, I want to say. And they were working on a major redesign of their, of their site. And thankfully, someone figured out they needed SEO advice and they had no in-house SEO capabilities. No one with the title SEO in their, or even in their job description, I think. Yeah, cool. So they were referred over to us by another client. And we pretty quickly launched into a redesign console, which had art as, as maybe you've probably experienced this. Typically SEOs are not brought in at the start of a redesign, not because they shouldn't be brought in, but because no one thinks about it. No one it. thinks it's, why would you need them guys? It just doesn't occur. Like if you haven't done it before, it doesn't occur. And, and of course. You know, we like to think we're the most critical part of the redesign, or at least we're a very critical part of it because uh, as what happened with insider pages, no SEO in the redesign, no, no customer. So they brought us in and we're already, I want to say halfway into a very complicated redesign. Mm-hmm. And this was a pretty old site. I don't, I remember what it was. Let's say it was from 2006 or something or 2005 or whenever. And they had 143 different templates on the site, which is an extraordinary number. Like when we do a, as an example, we did SEO for Roblox, the big, big gaming company. They have billion URLs in Google. How many templates? Only five templates. There you go. So what sounds like a really insurmountable SEO challenge is actually, yeah, five pages, 140 pages is tricky. And so, and so we just kind of went through our normal process, which is, okay, let's document all these pages, figure out which ones are getting traffic, 
figure out what their proposed changes are and come up with a kind of a risk estimate and say, okay, hey, if you kill this page, this thing gets like 10% of your traffic. So maybe you don't want to kill that. Or if you're trying to kill it, here's how to do it in a way to try to preserve it. And you have no structured data on your website. Maybe we should add structured data to everything. Or you're changing your you're changing the total like layout of the page and the content of the page. And so we need to we have to kind of take our best guess or informed guess at like how is that going to change it? So the way I like always like to put it is hey, if your page is called red and it ranks number one for red and you change it to blue, chances are it's going to stop ranking for red and it may not rank number one for blue. So we need to take that into account and make sure you understand it before you make the decision to do whatever you're going to do. And, and we, that was a massive Google sheet. I don't think Jira was, was Jira a thing back then? I don't even know. But so anyhow, that was our first project with them. And then, you know, that worked out really well. So, uh, so we, how was the, like, what was there friction between yourself and the, and the design agency, the de design or dev agency that was halfway through building this site that you just poked a bunch of holes in? Well, there are only uh, friction. I, I guess you could call it friction, but it, I don't think it was that bad. I, I think they were doing all the design in-house actually. The, I think there were just a lot, there was a lot of questions like, we, so when you do a redesign, that's the opportunity to add in stuff that will accelerate your SEO. As an example, they had a page for every movie theater in the country, but they didn't have a way for Google to find them. Ooh. So, and, and just like a path to every movie theater. So like maps can generally help if you can't build it into the UX, the main UX of the site, then having a site map like that can help. And everyone in the company hated that idea. And then I, cause they were just like, oh, this is stupid. It's ugly. Like we don't want to spend resources on it and no one's going to use it. And I was like, let me show you the New York times infinite number of site maps. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, oh, okay. I see. Did it. And I think if we look at, if you look, go to their site map page today, there's still this nasty looking theater site map in there. No one wants to take the time to make it look nice. Question for you is random, a little bit off topic, but let's say technical SEO, right? If you're, you're highlighting a bunch of different things in a site, whether it's a migration or whether it's just a, a site that you're, you're taking on to manage, or even if you're internally the SEO and you've, you've done a big audit and you prioritize, you know, the, the risks, the issues, high, mid and low. So you've got your high risk stuff or the most important stuff. What do you think is, and you're probably going to say it depends, which is fine. But what do you think is a, as an SEO and you're trying to get the product and then whoever it is, dev, to make those changes, those technical SEO fixes, what percentage would you say is a win as an SEO of the high risk issues? What percentage is a win? Oh, let me give you an example. So let's say I've got a client. So I'm constantly telling my SEOs, okay, look, you've got, you found 10 really high risk, high, you know, they're marked in red. We need to fix these things for SEO. We're going to go to the brand and they've got a dev team and we're going to go, no way, none. We're not doing any of them. Okay. And then we eventually get five of them fixed. So I'm constantly trying to explain to my team that, look, if we can get 50, 60% of, of what we think are really high risk stuff done, then we're heading in the right direction. We're, we're probably not going to get them all. There needs to be some compromise here. 
I'm wondering if you've ever had a number in your head that is like, okay, I know there's all these big risks and getting a hundred percent of them fixed is potentially not possible. But if I got X amount fixed, I think we're heading in the right direction. Has that, has that number ever entered your head? looks like no. I'm trying to think how I typically deal with those situations. Like I said, we kind of act like doctors and we speak to our, our, our clients like doctors. You need to stop smoking or you're going to get lung cancer. Well, I, I can't. I'm busy right now. It's not a high priority to stop smoking. Okay. Well, you're going to get lung cancer and you're probably going to get, you know, you're probably going to die. Okay. That's what you want. Like, I can't force you to not, to stop smoking. All I can tell you is the, 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 the cause and effect. And so I don't expect you to drop everything and fix these things. I expect you to work with us because presumably you're, you allocated budget to hire us for a reason. And you need to decide what the priorities are. And so I don't see like, oh, if I can get 50% of this done, a win. That's a win. I guess it's, it is. It's like, oh, it's a step in the right direction. I need to get the right 50% done. Because what happens is you do things like maybe you spend a lot of time fixing Core Web Vitals, which may or may not do anything in the next three months. And suddenly nothing happens and people are looking at you like, what? SEO is useless. We spent 100 billion man hours and nothing worked. And so we try to kind of, we try to explain everything with a roadmap kind of point of view. So this is a, let's just say a one-year project because we know you can't do everything. And so you can't expect in three months that just because you do 10% of these things, your trap is going to grow by 10%, right? Just like you can't expect your huge project you're working on that has nothing to do with SEO is going to all work in, on day one, right? So it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure, because SEO always sounds like, you know, fairy dust to people, uh, but you have to back that up with case studies. Here's what we did with Fandango. Yeah, I wouldn't say Fandango, but here's, hey, these guys did this at this point, and then this at this point, and this at this point, and hopefully what we see is the traffic go like that. You're not the only ones I'll show though, right? Yeah, I don't know any other way to do it. So. So it's certainly like helpful to get some stuff done, but it's more helpful to get the right stuff done in the right order. Got it. You're always dealing with internal perception of SEO as is it worth doing. It, it still baffles me. Some of the, I speak around the country at different events and I've like some really, really huge globally like famous brands. And I've heard, you know, really senior level marketers go, is SEO really a thing? Do you guys do SEO? Like multi-billion dollar companies. And it just, it, for people, I guess, who don't understand it, it, uh, it is still a dark art, which is, you know, amazing in this day and age. Well, so we work with some multi-billion dollar companies. There, there's one we've been working with for years. Has no one in their company who has SEO in their title or in their, maybe it's in their job description among the 50 things that are responsible. We're their SEO team. And I don't think it's because they don't understand SEO, even though they, they kind of don't. It's much more because they're used to doing things, the, prioritizing the things that are important to them. Like maybe 
they're very comfortable with buying pay-per-click. And so they'll do that all day long because they know how it works. They know how to make money off of it, et cetera. And SEO has never been, they've never built the muscle. So they don't know. It feels, and SEO, as you know, especially with large organizations, requires cross-functional teams to all coordinate. And it's really hard to do that when all you have is a consulting, like an agency outside and no one on the inside who's really like trying, like whose main job, like their salary and their bonus depends on get, making SEO work. That's a very and, good point. And so what we like to say is SEO is always the lowest priority until it's not. And what that kind of implies is most organizations are not going to worry about SEO until the, the, the crap hits the fan and suddenly they can't ignore it because they screw something up or Google does something and suddenly, so big brands especially have this problem because they get a lot of brand traffic. And uh -huh. so they think their SEO is amazing because their brand traffic is masking the fact that 99% of their traffic is brand and 1% is non-brand. So, so what they fail, often fail to realize is they would get that traffic regardless of how their SEO was. The 1% non-brand traffic is like, if they grew that to 50%, that would be like covering their ad budget, right? And, and making a lot more profit. So, uh, but whatever, it's, it's so easy to be on the outside and be like, because as an agency, we have no constraints in our theories about what you should be doing. But internally, like everyone's hands are tied a billion different ways. Yeah, totally, totally. Looping back to Fandango, did you have any of those? So you came back with that, that you know, big long list of here's, here's your risk and here's, you know, here's what we probably need to, to tweak or change. Like, was there any pushback from the dev or designers or from the, the brand themselves? It was so long ago. Honestly, I'm, I'm sure there were. Well, let's, let's fast forward a bit because I think there's what. So what was interesting about Fandango is, so we worked for them, I believe, for 11 or 12 years. We just actually stopped working with them this year. And throughout their history, they never had anyone, quote unquote, doing SEO. And we had a very loose mandate to kind of just help with SEO. But every year, we'd have a new client contact because they, they had turnover and stuff. So every year or two. And so what happened is over the course of several years, suddenly we were the only one in the organization who had any history. How interesting. What happened 10 years ago. Because the whole company like kind of turned over for the most part. And so, and so we kept getting pulled into all sorts of discussions and non-SEO things to help clarify, like, why did we do this? And, but what we saw was it took a long time for the company to kind of accept that they had to prioritize SEO stuff not for non-emergency situations. And it actually turned out to be pretty great because it went from being very reactive to over time, suddenly we were getting pulled into product discussions. Like, hey, we're thinking of launching this new thing. Is there an SEO thing? So when they acquired Rotten Tomatoes, was a great example. When they acquired Rotten Tomatoes, we did a, an audit for them pretty quickly and walked the team through it. And they were like, they were actually highly incentivized to, to 
implement because my guess is they were just acquired. They want to look good, want to keep their jobs, right? And, and so Rotten Tomatoes became a real kind of success story for us inside of Fandango because we, one, it's a fantastic site. So SEO, doing the basics right was like guaranteed you're going to crush it. So much content, so much brand strength. But then the the head of product at Rotten Tomatoes was kind of, I, I think she kind of saw what was happening and understood that this was as much as anything else, a path to like really crushing it. And Rotten Tomatoes became like our primary focus for several years there, much more fast moving. And they enabled us to do a lot of cool experiments and tests. Like we did a ton of structured data testing with them because they have all this data. It was, it was cool. And we were able, we were able to kind of make Google do crazy things for Rotten Tomatoes. So the lesson is like, it's good to have a really strong brand and a lot of content and have an SEO focus. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Gives you that foundation to work from. I also really love what you're saying there around, like you're there so long you become part of the furniture. Like no one knows that the furniture is rented and it's just, like, it's just been there all the time. So, yeah. you know, because that's an interesting thing, like those long-term relationships, when you, new contacts come in, when new contacts tend to have their own people they like to work with, but to have that, that huge equity within the business was, you know, just a big advantage for you. How yeah. cool. Yeah. The only reason we stopped working with them is they got acquired by NBC Universal slash Comcast, who have a very large SEO team. And so, and so sooner or later, they were like, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> we want, we want this budget, right? And so we actually worked with their team for about a year on the transition just to kind of do a knowledge, knowledge share on it. And so it would be, keep your eye on those sites. I'm very curious to see how they do. Hopefully. Hopefully they do well, but you know, it's also probably good for me if they don't. How funny. Cool. Andrew, that's been awesome. Thanks so much. Really cool hearing about uh, just your journey, but also you know, Fandango and then Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato, yeah. tomato. What great stories. We're going to just go through our final questions now. We do Vox Pop, so it's quick fire. I'm going to throw some questions at you. First yeah. thing that comes to mind, don't think too hard. You ready? I'm not thinking too hard, so. <laughs> All right, good, good. Which previous algo chain still keeps you up at night? None. Whatever. They're all interesting in their own little way. But I think picking apart every algo chain for trying to uh, trying to figure out, well, what, what happened, right? I think that's a... Until we have like a, a data analysis system as big as Google's, it's kind of a full zero. We did build a tool that allows us to tell whether an algorithm change was statistically significant or not for your site. So if anyone wants to try that, hit me up. It's kind of fun. Okay, cool. I'm going to hit you up. What's your favorite non-obvious software tool that you use every day to research or execute? Well, we just talked about it. It's a tool we built ourselves. It's called squirrel.ai, S-Q-U-E-R-Y-L. And it's basically... We built it inside of Slack. And so basically what we did was we connected Slack to Google Search Console and Google Business, and we created a bunch of apps. So as an example, you can run and you can just upload 2000 URLs to a Slack channel to run it against Google Search Console URL inspector. You can do this. You can basically connect it to your Search Console performance report to do this statistical analysis. 
So it's been really fun. We, we, we love SEO tools. All SEOs love SEO tools. And we were like, oh, well, could, what's not out there that we can do for ourselves? And so we just started hacking away and building it for ourselves. Very cool. Love it. Which do you prefer, content or links? Oh, content. Links are, links are the dumbest part of SEO and everyone hates it and uh, except link sellers. And the way we always talk to clients who want link building or need link building, we're saying, look, we hate selling this to you. We know this is ridiculous. We, we do it, but we do it because it works, not because we think it's a cool thing to do. So, so I'm sorry, but you need to spend $10,000 a month on link building. <laughs> and yeah, just the bricks, right? Okay, this next question is going to be an interesting answer. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Think of a really novel one, right? Actually, I didn't use this one. I'll give you one because this is like using link building strategically is like always the way to go. So whenever we work with a client, we look at the assets they have and we try to determine, is there a link building play here? For example, we did a project last year for molly.com, which is a, a big Europe's version of Stripe payments startup. And every, every business that uses them links from their website to Molly's privacy policy. So we're like, hmm, can we do something on your privacy policy page to help your SEO efforts? And so basically what you do is you create some internal links to, to some pages. Right. And so that'd be an example of, of effective link building. Another one that I always reference is Bleacher Report, which was a big sports site from a decade ago. They had a page for every team with news on it and stuff like that. And they spent a year and a half or so building a syndication system to basically recreate the Bleacher Report on local media sites. And shocker, Every time they talked about the New York Yankees, it linked to their New York Yankees page from like NewYorkPost.com or something. And that accelerated your SEO times a billion. So if you're if if you're if you have assets you think that you could make linkable, you should figure out strategically how to use them. Another good example is Yellow Pages sites. All of them do this now, but we I'd like to think we were one of the pioneers in this where you basically give your advertisers a badge to put on their site. Hey, we're this site, right? Check us out on this site, right? It's a link. Totally. When did you, when was it that you talked to Yellow about that? Just curious. You know what year or era? 2006, 2007. Yeah, early days. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah, actually the, the idea came from Yelp had created this thing called Blog Bling which was uh, a way to link your blog to your Yelp page. And I was like, that's a good idea. That's cool. Do you think the skyscraper technique is still relevant today? Yeah, yeah. It's a, in fact, it's, it's kind of, I guess, necessary in some ways because like, you have your e-commerce product page or category page. Hard to get links to those pages. Hmm. Uh, but a content page you can get links to, right? If it's right. And then that content page can link to the category or product page. So uh, yep. that's a tried and true method. Cool. What do you love most about SEO? I think I like that it's mostly solving puzzles, right? It's uh, uh, I, I didn't realize I had this in me, but I guess I'm a 
I like puzzles. So as an example, someone in a Slack community I'm on last week said, oh, there's a build, there's university. There's a building on our university that's mislabeled in Google Maps and we can't get it off. Like we keep mislabeled, mislabeled. And in about 10 minutes, I was able, I think I was able to figure out why it was happening by just following links and trails. And oh, like this is shown as a source in Google Maps. And when I click here, it says it gets its data from this source. And by the way, that data source has the incorrect name of that building on it. I bet that's what's going on. And so I, that's to me, that's endlessly interesting. And if you can solve those puzzles at scale for really big problems, like it's, you know, you can really impact uh, people's businesses. I, I think the other, the other, my typical other answer to this is because I lost my job to SEO at the start, I like to think of it as we're saving people's jobs. I really do, like in many cases, like if it doesn't work, you know, got the choices. So, so I like that about it too. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? I'm curious how do other people answer that question. I crawl things. I don't know. Like, like we're talking about, like you know, test and measure. You know, experiments, analysis. I don't know. You know, there's a range of different I, ways. Okay, I think I think I probably do it by I, I am endlessly seeing things and going, oh, like, like, and there of course, go. as we look at so many sites, we, we kind of pretend to be UX experts. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, like that airplane seat, that's not designed right. Nah, like, that's hilarious. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life? What's your preference? Oh, uh, well, I've been working from home for, for 17 plus years. And as I, when our team has like our strategy meetings and we, I present, here's the plan. I always say the mission is I never want, of the company is I never want to have to commute ever. And, and that, that's your North star. Like Andrew doesn't have to commute. And so, uh, yeah, I, there's occasions when I kind of go, oh, it'd be nice to be in an office with people. Uh, but every time I go visit a client and I'm in a meeting with 30 people, I'm always like, we can do this on Zoom, okay? I think we can do that. Yeah. Two more questions. SEMrush or Ahrefs, if you have to choose one? We use both. I would say I use SEMrush more often for very, like, it's just like, not because it's better, just because, oh, I'm that report I like. And I, I use that, right? Or it's, it, 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 it's, I'm used to it. But I, there's some data that Ahrefs has that SEMrush doesn't have, so I like that too. And last one, for brands, and you know, you've, you've got a bit of an angle here to answer this from, but what do you think is the best approach? An agency for their SEO, in-house for their SEO, or a combo? Totally depends on if you're, if you're, I'd say if you're, if SEO is kind of a, you've identified it as a priority, I think ultimately you need to build a team in-house to make it happen. But I'm indifferent to whether you you outsource a huge percentage of that work to an agency. I mean, I guess I'm not indifferent. I'd rather you did that. But but I don't think you have, like, I don't, it's all about what flexibility you need. Obviously, with an agency, you have more flexibility and generally more bandwidth and more expertise. Whereas with the in-house person, you have quicker decision-making, let's say, 
more ties in the organization, more internal knowledge, that kind of thing. So I think it, it, it's where you at as a, as a business. Certainly a lot of huge companies use agencies effectively all the time. Cool. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today and hearing a bit of your history and then, you know, Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes. I'm saying tomatoes because I've been here a couple of years now. Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. How can people find you? What's the best way to, to follow you and find you and chat to you? You can find me on Twitter slash X yep. at local SEO guide. I'm on LinkedIn way too often. We post stuff on there every once in a while. So you can see me there. And we actually have a new website, lsgseo.com. Okay. We still have the old one, localseoguide.com, but we decided that going forward, that's how we, we want to present our face to the industry a little more non-local so people don't think we just do like plumbers. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you again, Andrew. Okay. So that's Thanks. been, no worries, that's been another episode of SEO Success Stories. We'll be here again in two weeks' time. If you enjoyed today, please do connect with Andrew. Please do write us five stars. If you didn't enjoy, maybe just keep it to yourself. That'd be great. Thanks again. This is SEO Success Stories wrapping up. Cheers.